Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. I'm your host, Rudo, joined today by Evan Rowell to talk a little bit everything Avs. We'll look at some old Avs. We'll look at some current new Avs, even, perhaps. So, I don't know. Let's let's jump right into uh, where we were talking yesterday, Evan. The Avs have had many big names come through their their halls, their doors. <laughs> sure, I get that. They all work. They used to be Pepsi Center doors. Now they're Ball Arena doors. I guess. Well, I guess back then they were McNichols Arena doors, really, but. Mm-hmm. Which ones are underrated in your mind? As we came up with Ozilinch and, and Varley the other day. Yeah, I feel like the Avs have had, especially those early years, that first cup they won with kind of an unheralded defense that wasn't, I mean, Adam Foote was still kind of early on in his career. They got Ozilinch, who I would agree is definitely underrated, but a guy like Alexei Gusarov logged some pretty nice minutes for that team back in the day and yep. was a real solid player for them. He's a guy I would be, say was underrated. And then you look at, he was with the team for a while and he did a little bit of everything. John Clem uh, played a little forward, played some defense, uh, went on to get, I think a big fat contract from the Chicago Blackhawks uh, <laughs> towards the end of his career. But, um, and then Aaron Miller, kind of like Clem. He play, I think he played a little bit of forward with the Fs too, but um, they've they had a lot of defensemen that kind of came through that just went went about their jobs pretty quietly and were really solid over in their time. Clem and uh, Miller were a little bit more depth options, right? They mm-hmm. they they weren't quite at the top as, as opposed to Gusarov, who was a guy who, as he you said, yeah, yeah, he quietly played top pairing minutes for the, some of those super stacked teams, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why Clem and Miller played a little bit of forward because the team was just so stacked that they just kind of moved them around. Yep. But, yeah, they were more – I think Clem was like third pairing Stanley Cup year, so they were definitely depth guys. I mean, Greg DeVries is another guy who was pretty unheralded this Stanley Cup year who – he was kind of that fourth option who, you know, he, he wasn't a big – he kind of came out of nowhere. He wasn't – I think he was more of like a journeyman and just kind of came on with the Avs for a couple of years and – really helped them win a cup. Hard to argue with uh, with helping them win a cup, which kind of brings me to my next question. When you're comparing some of these old Avalanche teams, that, let's talk about on paper because, you know, in reality, it's kind of hard to compare these things. Today's Avalanche team, does it rank in the top five Avalanche teams of all time? In comparison, like I'm assuming the two years they win a cup, you just say is better because they won a cup. Yeah, it is so hard to say because we haven't seen the team, obviously, and we're comparing them against Hall of Fame stacked teams. Because if we're looking on paper, you still even have to go to that 03-04 team that didn't didn't even do anything. And that's a – that team was pretty stacked. So So um, that's the top three. Yeah, and then... But, I mean, you look at like look at this year's team, and you're saying McKinnon's probably on a Hall of Fame trajectory. McCarr, uh, you know, assuming health, sure looks like he could be a Hall of Famer. And then you have maybe some fringe guys like a Rantanen or something like that. 
Yeah, this is, I mean, this is definitely the best team they've had since the first lockout, I would say. It's just a matter of stacking them up against those Sackick Forsberg years. Yep. Um, if anything, it, it could maybe crack the number five. I think there's, you look at that, those teams back then and the, the conference thing finals that, teams and stuff. Yeah, the only thing that, the reason they weren't winning more cups is because the Red Wings were just as stacked with no salary cap and all these yeah. other teams. So um, the salary cap makes it even more impressive how good this team is this year on paper. That is that is true. It is a bit of an unfair comparison with the with the cap in place. So yeah. maybe maybe not the fairest comparison of, of all there, but uh, certainly. Uh, both sides of the older abs and the newer abs have the hype built around them once again, I would say. Yeah, and that's that's <laughs> why we're also glad that it seems like there's going to be a season this year because you wouldn't want to see this team go to waste. Yeah, I think that would be a, a very disappointing way to go. It certainly doesn't seem like that's even an option at this point. It certainly looks like they're going to have some type of season as we sit around and wait for them to just make it official <laughs> yeah. at this point. Yeah, I know. It could be tomorrow or the next day. Or next week. Nobody, yeah. the way they keep rumoring it, nobody knows. But hopefully soon, 56-game schedule. Uh, what do you make of that, Evan? I, I, there are There's a conversation about having shorter seasons in the NHL where more games uh, have more where fewer games, each game has more impact, right? Each game is more important. It it raises the energy level because, uh, let's be honest, an 82-game season, it's hard for players to go 110% every game. Yeah. I, over the last few years, have come on board with the idea that 82 is just too long. Um, you get to the points where it's usually like, January or so, you're like, okay, well, this this is kind of the dead of the season. Nothing's really happening. There's no, you know, a lot of these guys are worn out. And, you know, sure. then you get to the trade deadline, things kind of pick up again from there. Sure. Um, I, I think 70 is a great number. The problem is you're not going to get these owners to agree to right. lowering the, the, the game amounts. Margins, yeah. <laughs> It will be interesting to see a fifty-six season, fifty-six game season, if it's a little bit more intense, just with um, a little bit more on the line. Just because I'm having trouble remembering back to the forty, was it forty-two games or forty-eight? Yep. Um, just because the ads were not good that year, so it's hard to remember exactly. Definitely how a forgettable year. Were. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like. A 56-game season, I'd be interested to see just how intense this is, especially since it seems like you're going to be playing a lot of the same teams over and over again. So it it could be a, a rivalry thing going in. The games could get pretty nasty. Yeah, that's the other side of this coin. Um, you've played hockey at a pretty high level. How? Uh, I'm sure you play the same team somewhat regularly, you know, growing up the local teams. Is there, is there a bit of a chess match situation there when it comes to playing the same team for the third time in four days or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. We usually played the same teams multiple times in the weekend just because you were all in the same area. So 
Yeah, it's it's going to be – this is when coaching will come into play because it's always hard to beat the same teams. If you're just playing the same team three times in a row, yeah. eventually the other team is – you know they're going to make some adjustments. So um, it becomes an adjustment game at that point, and then we're going to really see what Bednar has, and um, especially if it's going to be like the back-to-back type thing. A deep team like the Avs could maybe just sub in some guys and get some fresh bodies in there. Uh, to you know, if if it's going to be like that, so give them the give the other team a different look. So it is going to be interesting, and uh, I'm excited to see that because it's going to be something new. We don't we don't see this normally in the NHL, so this is going to be a whole different year. Yeah, I it, I've always wondered what kind of the baseball homestand would look like in some of these other sports. So I'm super excited about it, but. We'll see how it actually plays out in reality as the hockey certainly has a bit more randomness in it, to say the least. And yeah. it's it, it'll be interesting because if it does feel a little bit like one bad weekend could be a lot more impactful to a hockey team. Yeah. Uh, if it's all in division, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I... I see someone said we might see more fights. That is going to be interesting to see just how nasty these games get. Because you, I mean, you see playoff series, you you see the same guys over and over again. It gets pretty intense, you know. So it's now it's going to carry over to the regular season. So yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, yeah. we'll see if I, I know people don't think the Avs are tough enough. We'll see if that even matters at all this year. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how it gets refed, right? Because every year we see in the playoffs, the, you know, refing goes out the window, basically. And, and half the stuff that was getting called in the regular season doesn't. So, yeah, you wonder if it's going to be more consistent, too, because if they're going to be playing the same team, same, you just you keep the same refs there. Ref. So, yeah, yeah, by the end of a homestand, maybe you have a better feel for what the refs are calling, things like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a wild year. Once they officially announce it. <laughs> Still operating under a few assumptions, I guess. But yeah, let's wrap up this segment by, by looking at that January 13th date. We're inside of a month now without this announcement. Is that still feasible, you think? Or, or are we looking at a potential pushback here? Uh, I, I do wonder if it's going to get pushed back a little bit, uh, maybe a week or so, just to kind of make up some time. Uh, because they've been negotiating. We've heard this January 13th date for what, two weeks now? So, yeah. you know, it, it feels like it's going to need to get pushed back since they can't come to any sort of agreement. And, you know, I see Rantanen's posting. I think he's still in Finland. So you got to get these guys over into the U.S. Well, and this ruling about NHL requiring seven day quarantines as well. Like, yeah. It's going to be some adjustments and then a quick camp. That's that's gonna be the thing is ten day camp and I bet the players actually probably will love it because training camp just kind of goes on forever. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's I, I I'm not buying the thirteenth day right now just because it's been dragging on for so long. I feel like it's gonna get pushed back a little bit. I saw the you know three they're still gonna try to do the triple header on opening day with the all the divisions and the abs might be involved in that so just shows the status that they now might have in the nhl where their people are realizing this team's going to be really good i'll take it mm-hmm. 
So, excuse me, we'll take our first period break there and tell you guys about WGT Golf, the number one gaming sponsor here at DNVR, starting this Friday, the 18th. That's tomorrow. Through the weekend, we'll be hosting the Santa's Workshop Open at Kiowa Island. Caught my sneeze there with the mute button, sometimes lucky. All country clubs can participate. We have four of them. When you go to DNVR Golf and download the game, search for DNVR4 to join our country club and get in on these tournaments. If you haven't played yet, it is an awesome time. Head to Kiowa Island to enter. All you have to do is play the closest to the whole challenge we'll have in there on the clubhouse. And once you finish, submit a screenshot of your final score and send it into info at thednvr.com. Once you do that, you'll be entered to win, and we will randomly pick a winner each week that will get a choice of a DNVR shirt or mask that we will ship directly to you so you can win yourself some free DNVR merch for playing a free video game. Sounds like a win-win to me. Jump in on it. Send us your screenshot. Good luck. Secondarily, we have Hassle Cattle Company. These guys are amazing. I had their Wagyu burger the other night. Super easy to cook, super delicious, melt-in-your-mouth meat. I mean, I'm a meat lover, so, like, obviously I'm going to like it, but I didn't even think I needed, like, condiments on this burger. Like, I would I would have just shoved the meat in my mouth. It was so good. So, highly it's recommend. It's a sign of a good burger. Yeah, exactly. It's it's amazing stuff. They, they offer tons of different meat. I mean, you can get an entire meat box from them every single month. Cannot recommend it enough if, if you're a meat eater because this stuff is just mwah. They call their Wagyu blue-collar Wagyu because it's the best damn Wagyu that every man or woman can afford. Hassle Cattle Company offers Wagyu smoked sausage, New York strip, beef bacon, Wagyu frank, two jerky flavors, original sweet and original as well as sweet and spicy. And their hamburger, the one that I had the other night, won Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. So... Don't take my word for it. Take the people that actually know what they're talking about's word for it. It is extremely good. Head on over to HassleCattleCompany.com. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L CattleCompany.com. And use promo code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. Any orders over $200 get free shipping as well. Check them out. You will not be disappointed. Uh, a couple people in chat mentioning McKinnon is staying in Nova Scotia till Christmas. And uh, the thing is about this is it's not like these guys aren't skating, right? McKinnon has his whole squad up in Nova Scotia that, that goes out and practices. There are people here in Colorado skating as well. So there is skating and, and hockey going on. It just not necessarily a training camp environment. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's more, they're more talking about probably the quarantine and when these guys are going to come to the U.S. I would imagine it might be a little bit different for McKinnon coming from Canada as opposed to like Finland, yeah, someone like that. But yeah, it, I mean, to me, that just seems more like this 10 day before January 13th training camp is maybe a little bit too optimistic at this point if a lot of these guys are staying home till Christmas. So it might be pushed back a couple of days. And that's, I mean, I wouldn't have any complaints, right? I mean, how, whatever it takes to have a season, you, you just do it. But looking, the Avs are a team that for 
as far as we know, are completely healthy going into the season, right? So an extra day earlier, an extra day later probably doesn't matter much to them. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess the later it is, uh, the little bit more opportunity they have to get Bo and Byram back from World Juniors. But other than that, I I don't see a big effect on training camp for them. Yeah, I mean, whenever it is, it seems like the apps are going to be fine. Um, yeah, I saw that. Somebody said, I wonder if they're going to have the same rules on injuries as they did during the bubble. And it's just like, ugh, I hope not. I hope they give us a little bit more information. Yeah, that, but... that unfit-to-play stuff was awful. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is a good point. EJ, I guess we really don't know about him. Um, and that's kind of the problem with the apps is that they're so tight-lipped. We don't really have any definite answers on the guys that were hurt in the playoffs. Um, sounds like Gruby's going to be fine. I guess EJ might be really the only question mark at this point, just because we don't know how long his recovery was going to be. But Where are, I mean, months ago, the, the Instagram sleuth saw him walking around without a boot or anything. So I, our Instagram sleuths will have to keep us posted on uh, on what EJ is looking like, at least on Instagram. But I don't think I even follow him on Instagram, so I'm not sleuthing. But I mean, beyond him, I don't think there's really anyone else to even worry about at this point. Yeah, so I, I he has appear to be in good shape. So, assuming the Avs are healthy on defense, let's take a look at their defensive pairings. Kale McCarr is a top pairing defenseman at this point. I think that's mm-hmm. pretty much clear. But there has to be the conversation about who you put with him. And last year, a lot of the time it was Ryan Graves. There's some expectation that that will at least continue at the start of the year because, you know, why mess with a good thing? But is there any temptation to put Devon Taves up there or someone else? I think there is definitely going to be some temptation to put Taves up there and maybe maybe they even revisit the Gerard thing. I, I have less expectation about Gerard being there than Taves. But yeah, there's definitely going to be some, you know, I, I can see why they would want to put Taves there. I think he's a better defenseman than Graves, but it worked well with Graves and McCarr last year. So I kind of feel like they're going to default to that. Um, and the part inside of me that says, I want to see Taves Gerard personally as a pairing. So uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like the second year you're hoping that McCarr could um, maybe get a better partner and really help ascend a little bit more. Uh, we ju- we'll just see. They, you know, Graves get a long, got a long term long term extension here. I don't see why they're going to be willing to change it because it was pretty much him and McCarr the entire season. Yeah. Um, the question there ultimately is just how they want to do it. And and for the record, the Avs love to do things like randomly throw Kale and Sam together in the offensive zone, things like that. So pairs are certainly fluid. I'm just talking about in general here. Um, so let's take in a world where it's Taves and Makar. <laughs> you sound like a movie guy in, in a, a world. world where the Avs defense doesn't <laughs> have Ryan Graves in the top four. <laughs> Uh, but that is my question. Mm-hmm. You have Taze, McCarr, Gerard, all top four D. Who's the fourth one? 
you have Cole, EJ. Is it still Graves? Is Byram in the mix for that spot? Byram, I, I don't see him being in the mix for the spot right away. I think that would be something he would have to work towards. Um, I would just... Of those four, I would think EJ because I don't think they're going to go Gerard McCarr. So if they didn't go Gerard McCarr or Graves McCarr, it's going to be Taze McCarr. And I think at that point they want Gerard and EJ together. Um, The reason I like Taves Gerard is because I like Gerard on the right side. I think think he does play a little bit better there. Um, It gives him the Tornado a little bit more. Um, he, He seems to play a little bit more offensively in that spot too. But, you know, the Avs, they've got some options on the right side now, so that's not necessarily going to happen. But, yeah, it's I, th- I think Taves, Makar would be a really, really interesting pair, especially, I mean, pr- might be the best skating pair in the NHL if they're put together. All right. Uh, hello, AJ. Go back to moving into your house. <laughs> Appreciate you watching. Uh, and all of the rest of you as well. A couple of questions here in chat. Let's start with uh, 2006's question here. What if Byram has an outstanding WJC? Uh, AJ has been on record many times saying there's some expectation around the Avs that Byram is going to make the team and is going to play at very least his nine games. How do you work him in? Because if we take this world where it's Makar and Taze, Gerard and EJ, that leaves Graves and Cole on the bottom pairing with Byram as the seventh D, or are you working him in for one of Cole or Graves? How do you manage that? Yeah, so I think either way, we're going to assume Taves, Gerard, and Makar are going to be in the top four. You're looking at a relatively immobile third pair, yeah, and that's where Byram can make his move add some mobility and offense to that third pair. So if he has an outstanding world juniors, um, honestly, that's, that should be the expectation considering he, his draft position and his age, you're kind of hoping that he does have an outstanding world juniors and that if he doesn't, it's going to be a little bit more of a disappointment than anything. Um, so, yeah, I mean, either way he's going to be here and it's the way that he can make his, his move into that lineup is just by showing his mobility and adding a little bit of offense to the, uh, the bottom pair, which we would not anticipate to be very mobile, no matter who's on it. Skating ability. Um, are you, are you one that would push for a little bit of the vet and the rookie pairing there? And, And we can bring Timmons into this conversation as well, depending on how things shake out, because if you're putting Byron with Graves, Look, Graves isn't young. He's 25, I believe, might be turning 26, but he only has a year and a half, really, of NHL experience. Whereas Ian Cole, you know, he's been in the league for almost a decade now. So, yeah, I'm not sure it's really going to matter all that much. I think they would prefer to get, you know, Byram with a veteran, but they're going to have to see how the the roles play out. Um, I, I think it is. I think I would lean more towards Byram is going to be with a veteran just because I do think Graves is going to start on that top pair. Um, whether he finishes there is another thing, but then that gives you the option of, you know, EJ, do you want yeah. EJ or, or Cole? Because both Cole can play the right side too. So you, then you're not having Byram, you know, switch his position where I know Graves played a little bit of the right side, but the other guys are a little bit better there. So um, makes it a little bit more natural there. Um, and I think they're going to be more willing I would say to rest a 
these veteran guys over like a guy like Graves. Certainly, um, if it's the three games and four nights type of schedule, too. Yeah. Especially, people are going to get hurt, and those two guys yeah. tend to get hurt a lot. Right. That's with EJ's inevitable injury. If he doesn't already have one, is yeah, right. If he's even healthy for the start of the season, um, that's what should get Byram into the lineup regularly, but also brings Connor Timmons into the conversation. Uh, the Avs, we've said this before on the show, but the Avs are on record showing they want to see Connor Timmons stay healthy this year. That's their biggest look at him is because last year, yes, not only the stuff in the playoffs, but had the lower body injury in the AHL and missed a month as well. But at the end of the day, if they have injuries, they're going to put the best team on the ice they can. And if they lose one guy, you probably make the case for Byron. If they lose two guys, they're probably going to play Connor Timmons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, especially if they put him in the playoffs, they obviously have some faith in him uh, and what he can do. And he doesn't really have these veteran guys to leap over this year in Kanan and Barbario. Yep. He's got Dennis Gilbert. Uh, some of these guys who are probably in the same spot as him as far as when it comes to NHL experience. So he's not, you know, at a disadvantage there. So, and the one advantage he's always going to have is he's a right shot. And yep. coaches always love the idea of three right shots, three left shots. Um, especially if EJ's hurt. If EJ's the guy going down, then you probably do want that right shot coming into the lineup. So um, you can run McCarr, Gerard, Timmons then. Yeah. It's, it's a young and talented right pair, right side, which they did for a couple playoff games. Yeah, That's true. how crazy it is. So, yeah, we've already seen a glimpse into this, and we know the the coaching staff loves Timmons, and like we talked about last Friday, it's training camp is when he shines. He shines in these practices because he's such a smart guy. He knows what to do, and the coaches see that. What What's your take on that lineup from – the perspective of Jared Bednar, because that's extremely uh, inexperienced. You, if you're running McCarr, Gerard, Byram, Timmons, and Graves, and then your only your only proper veteran on that lineup would be Ian Cole. If we're saying EJ's hurt, yeah. I don't. I think it would bother him less than we think because this is a guy who threw McCarr. Right, into, right through the Wolves in the playoffs, playing him 20-plus minutes a night a few games into his NHL career. It's a guy who, as soon as we got Gerard, he, he was on the top pair. Like There was nothing that held him back. So if the guys are talented enough, I don't think he's going to be afraid to, to give him minutes. And if that's the situation, then he's going to have really no choice. We know that he's going to ride McCarr and Gerard. Gerard is a veteran at this point. I, I think we just need to say that. So... Um, he's got what 200 plus NHL games. The, the coaching staff clearly trusts him. I don't really look sure. at. He's young, but he's not in the same realm as these other guys. So I think he's a veteran on their end. Um, and really, the way that they played Graves in the playoffs and regular season, I think they they have no concerns there as far as trusting him. So I, I don't think it'd be as big a worry as maybe with other coaches. But Bednar has coached a lot of young guys in his career and has showing more willingness to play these young guys. So I, I think if, if need be, he would not be too concerned about it because he can see the talent on the ice. 
All right. We can take our second period break there, let you guys know about Chevalier Mortgage. Whether looking at refinancing your current mortgage or buying a new home, Mike and Virginia will make the process as simple and as smooth as possible. If you've gone through the loan process before and you'd rather go to get a root canal or, or do something awful, like watch the Raiders, then even think about rather than doing it again, excuse me, that's because you haven't worked with Mike in Virginia. Trust me, they will make this process amazing for you. Jump on over to dnvrmortgage.com and visit Mike in Virginia. Not only can you get a free consultation for them, you can enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice. So you might as well get over there and check them out just for that. Again, that's dnvrmortgage.com, or you can call Virginia directly at 303-257-6578. Get signed up for that free consultation to discuss all of your options when it comes to loans or purchasing a home, all that good stuff. They are amazing at what they do. Again, just cannot recommend those guys enough. Michael Chevalier, NMLS 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS 1910631. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast with Rudo and Evan Rowell talking a little bit of the Avs lineup here. With the defense sorted, as we start to prep a little bit for training camp to come, Again, things are still a little bit unclear. Over a year ago now, Evan, uh, you you coined the term Shane Bednar. Uh, <laughs> yeah. For Bednar's love for Shane Bauer. It feels a lot longer than that. I know, it does. It feels about a decade ago, doesn't it? Yeah. But is there any chance for Shane Bednar to make this lineup? Shane Bowers, that is, of course. <laughs> um. He's he's in an uphill battle just because yeah. of how deep this team is. You, I would imagine Cout is ahead of him, and Cout, if you look at the lineup, is probably on the fighting for a spot. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he's. I think he's another guy that you know, like Timmons. If they have to take their time with him, they're going to do that. Um, and look at the AHL team; he's going to get some big minutes down there. So, I, I think he's he's in he's in tough to with a healthy team come in and win a spot outright out of camp. Yeah. I certainly, it'll be interesting to see the abs decision-making on both sides, I guess, in a shortened camp, because we know the abs do really like to, to take a lot of time in training camp to look at these guys and, and give them opportunities to earn roles on the team. So it's going to be a bit of a crunch time this year with uh with limited opportunity to to do that and and realistically there probably won't be or if there is a very very limited preseason to get game situations in as well yeah it stinks for these younger guys because that's where bowers impressed them so much as he he came into these preseason games and he played really well uh and count too count had a really good preseason in camp last year and that's kind of what you know after he picked it up a little bit more offensively in the AHL after a slow start that probably gave him a little bit more confidence to see what he can do in the NHL. So it's, it's tough for these young guys because now they're not going to have these, you know, preseason games to really make their, make an impression and hopefully. Uh, <laughs> is it your birthday? It is my birthday. Well, happy yes. birthday, Rudo. Thank you. Thank you, mom. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to stink for the young guys. 
that want to come in and make an impression and hopefully earn a spot because these veterans are just going to need the games to get ready if there even are preseason games to get ready for the end of the, for, for the regular season. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a weird balance for the vets, right? Because they need games to get ready, but at the same time, they want to reserve a lot in the tank as well, knowing that the sprint of a season that's coming ahead. So it might be a bit of an interesting balance there uh, in, in getting ready for the season or for the team as a whole. But I Bednar has been like kind of anti scrimmage since he's gotten here. Yeah. And I almost feel like he's going to have no choice. He did it a little bit in the training camp 2.0. He scrimmaged. So, I feel like he's going to have no choice but to put these guys in game situations in camp, and that's where they're going to have to evaluate. Yeah, I. it's definitely tough to stand out. And that, that's not true. It's not tough to stand out, but you stand out in different ways when you're looking at scrimmage situations versus drills. Kale McCarr was one of those players where you put him in game situations and everybody watching goes, wow, but you see him in a drill and you know, he's just doing a drill. Mm-hmm. It's not that amazing to watch. Whereas honestly, a good example of the opposite is, is Shane Bowers because he does so many of the little things, right? He always stands out as getting all the little details correct in a drill. So, yeah. And it, a scrimmage against your teammates is a little, it's a lot different than a preseason game against other teams, you, you don't want to hurt your teammate. You yeah. don't want to do anything that's going to, you know, piss off a potential future teammate. So, yeah, it's a little bit different. So this is going to be in in that way a different camp for these younger guys, especially since nobody knows what's going on with the AHL too. Um, nothing's really, yeah, that, set in stone there. I mean, that's we didn't even touch on this, but the the consideration of a potential taxi squad. I realistically, Byram. Timmons, Cout, O'Connor, uh, even possibly Bowers, they could all be traveling with the team. It's 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 not outside the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Didn't even talk about O'Connor. That's another guy Bowers is, would have to jump yep. in training camp. And considering O'Connor looked good in the postseason, I don't it would take a lot. Yeah. Gonna be hard, I would think. Uh, O'Connor there's probably a decent case that O'Connor's ahead of Cout on the on the depth mm-hmm. list, so with losing Nieto, you would think yep. they were playing him on the PK in the playoffs. It makes sense. So, yeah, it's a it's an uphill climb for Bowers this year. That's what I want to talk about. Thank you for the reminder. Uh, the Abs defense on the penalty kill uh, power play. Look, I'm assuming it's Makar and Gerard still. If Byram gets time there, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Well, uh, Taves. Didn't he run the top power play in New York or one of them? So, I mean, there's options. So we'll see. It's obviously Makar is going to run it. And it, does it even matter who runs the second unit? At this <laughs> Are point? they ever going to score? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is there a consideration to run 2D then? You could do a, a Gerard Taves or something like that? Yeah, I'm I'm not big on the two, two defenseman system. Um, it typically doesn't work out. And the Fs have so many forwards that they like to get in. Um, to the power play, so I, they're probably going to run four forwards, one D, just to keep it similar to the system in front of them, the top unit. 
But yeah, the penalty kills where it's all going to come down to because that's the questions on defense. Yeah, then obviously EJ's going to PK. Obviously Cole's going to PK. Graves PK'd plenty last year. There's no reason to expect that to change either. That fourth spot is where things get interesting, and if it, there's an injury is where things get interesting. You have Taze. The assumption is they got him to help PK, even though he didn't really do a lot of PKing with New York. And then the other question becomes, do you try Sam Gerrard there? Look, we know he's small, but his defensive metrics, at least at five on five, are very, very good. Or do you YOLO a Byram? (laughs) I tried Gerrard there, personally. The only problem is he uses a stick that's like three feet long, so he doesn't do much in terms of breaking up passing lanes. But um, I think he would do really well there. It's just... He's just so quick, and he can get to pucks when the other team dumps it in. Um, I think he'd do really well there. I almost at, Z was the fourth guy last year, but even then, they didn't use him a ton. Um, obviously, he was in the box a lot, <laughs> but you know they they are not afraid to just run three D on the penalty kill. Uh, so I could see that happening a lot, where they're gonna go with these other guys and run them. I guess run down their throats just. These guys are going to be the PK guys, but the other problem you have there is that those are the three guys on the defense that are going to take all the penalties, so they're going yeah. to need backups. And um, we know what Gerard can do there because he's gotten some time in there, and I think he's done pretty well. Taves, I think they they're going to obviously try. I think Bakar is going to be the last option. They want to save all of his strength and energy for even strength and power play. So um, you're going to have to see what these other guys can do, and that's maybe where. What we're going to see in camp is, you know, what can they're going to everything try out everything out there, um, and I think if 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 there's somewhere that Timmons might have an advantage there is the PK because he, they were using him in the playoffs there, so might give him a chance, give him a little bit of an edge. Um, it'll it'll certainly be interesting to to see how that shakes out. I do wonder a little bit maybe all right maybe they sam can do like the ov thing right how ov gets the super flex stick on the power play (laughs) sam just gets a three foot longer stick on the penalty kill yeah (laughs) i i ultimately i don't think it's gonna play a huge role because i think they're gonna roll those other guys and then maybe the the fourth guy gets out there for the last 30 seconds to transition into makara and whoever they don't use yeah. for the penalty kill. So I'm not sure it's going to play a huge, huge role, but you know, obviously injuries are going to change all that is does the shortened season make special teams less or more important to you? Uh, well, I feel like in the playoffs, the penalty kill is always the more important specialty unit. And I think it's going to be kind of the same in the, in the uh, if, if if there's a shortened season, just because especially if we're going to have, you know, these back to back to back against the same teams, they're going to get an idea of what works, what doesn't. You're going to need uh, your penalty kill to step up because you the Avs can score goals at even strength. It's just going to be a matter of keeping them out of their own net at on the penalty kill. So, yeah, I think it's just going to be a little bit like the playoffs where the penalty kill plays a bigger role than the power play, in my opinion. All right, it's. I mean, I guess there's a little bit of a conversation at uh, at forward there too, given the loss of of Matt Nieto. 
Um, the Maslikov didn't really PK, so not as big yeah. of a deal there. But the fact that they're stuck on Comfer being a penalty kill guy, Belmar, Calvert, Comfer, you would assume are going to be the three guys. And yeah, do it's they a- let Nachushkin play on the penalty kill? I feel like that's an obvious one. And then we've seen Jost can do it. Yeah, they so. they were leaning on Jost at the end of the season. That's true. They have options, so just got to use them. Pick a bottom sixer and go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Might not be that that difficult to for the Avs to put out some some PK pairings, PK units in full, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the power play is pick it, pick <laughs> eight forwards and and you're fine. Obviously, yeah. the big ones, the top six will all play. I have no doubt. And then who knows? Don's going confer on the second unit or something, but. Yeah, Jost, uh, Jost did PK quite a bit uh, down the stretch of last year, Steph. So Yeah, they finally started using him there. And he was pretty darn good at it, too, I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, he had good numbers. That's somewhere where he can step up. There you go. Another opportunity as, I don't know, I, I guess we're winding down this show here. Um, uh, hopefully... If not Friday, by Monday, the NHL has news of when this season is starting. So we can really get into our, our ramp up to the, the new year. But Give us something. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> anything. Anything NHL it's Something related. official. I don't want to have to start breaking down like third tier Swedish hockey. <laughs> that's where Jean-Luc Foodie is playing or something. But... You could do it. I could do it. It doesn't mean I want to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, on that note, we're going to get out of here with Strava Craft Coffee, the CBD-infused coffee that has really changed lives. You can get 20% off when you use code DNVR20 on your first order. And you get 20% off every single time when you sign up for their subscription service for two, three, four, six, or eight weeks jump on it. A bunch of amazing flavors. I think over the past couple days, I told you guys about the s'mores flavor, the marshmallow flavor. I think they have, uh, oh man, I don't even know. There's other sweet sugary flavors that you should try, basically. <laughs> uh, helps with a ton of aches and pains, all of that. You can check them out at StravaCraftCoffee.com. Evan, thank you for coming on. I'm sure we'll see you again tomorrow for some kind of a Free Skate Friday shenanigans. Where, yeah, you got anything? I, I'll wear the tracksuit if people want me to. All right, everybody, it's, go tweet at Evan to it's wear. It's supposed the track to snow suit. tomorrow. It's a great cold <laughs> weather outfit. I tell you, it keeps you warm. Gonna have to make him sweat all episode long in the yeah. tracksuit. Uh, yeah. On that note, hopefully we hear something. Thank you for watching, listening, however you consume. Be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. That helps us out a ton with the podcast. And we will talk to y'all tomorrow.